approached the question or, uh, that many of us have probably been asked or even pondered, and that is, you know, what is God like? What is God like? Um, how do we find out? People, we have a question with God, like, how do we find the answer to what God is like? We find the answer to what God is like in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to what God is like. Jesus is the answer. And when we're uh, talking to people and trying to study with folks, you ought to help them to understand because many, you have those in, in foreign, foreign lands and, 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 and way out places who do things even like they worship a tree. And they may worship a mighty tree in the middle of their village. And they worship that tree and worship that tree until at some point that tree falls down. And then when that tree falls down, they wonder, well, what about God? Or what about my God? You know, they try to understand, if this was my God, why did it fall? Why did it come down? What kept it up there? Well, see, each person was created with a need to know their maker. Everybody within man, man wants to know his creator. And he yearns to do so, whether he understands it or not, whether he knows it or not, he yearns to know his maker. And the way that you come to know the maker is through Jesus. Jesus said, no man coming to the Father but by me. So when we ask that question, who is Jesus, we have to go to the scriptures. Because we learn about Jesus through his word. So let us go over to John chapter 1, verse 9. And the Bible tells us over there, John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that Jesus, it tells us that Jesus is the word. Now that whole book of John is about Jesus being the son of God, how he came into the world. And he came into the world so that the world could come to know God. God is not some, uh, some giant clockmaker or someone who sits afar and just sits back and has no relationship with his people. That's not him. God said, I'm going to draw near to you so you can come to know me, understand me, so you're not always yearning to find something and there's no answer. So I'm going to come to you and dwell with you so that, I, so that you can know me from my own lips. Right now we know that God is, is, is spirit and he doesn't have any physical form, but he put on flesh, right? So in John chapter 1 verse 9, what's it say, Shire? It reads, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now what we're going to find out from this book of John is that Jesus is the son of God and he is the true light. And by somebody, and by you coming to know Jesus, you come to be enlightened. Jesus is the true light that enlightens every man. And it enlightens him into who he truly is, who mankind truly is, and helps him to understand the difference between peace, pride, and all and, 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 and perdition. He helps him to understand the difference between right and wrong, light and dark. He gives him insight into his own soul. If you want to come to understand situations in your life, you can come to understand yourself better. Get to know Jesus. And through his word, he shines a light in you that helps you to better understand yourself and others around you. And the world that is around you. In John chapter 6, verse 68, see, uh, he had what was called disciples. And the disciples recognized him as the Son of God. And as they recognized him as the Son of God, uh, there were many who were starting to, because Jesus had been following him, it requires people to want to draw near and stay near. But at one point, there were many who were turning away from him. The disciples were, were, were drifting off, but he had chosen a special twelve. And he asked those twelve, would you go away also? And Peter said, whom shall, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So what do we come to understand about God through Jesus just in, this, uh, just in, in these few verses? 
that, 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 that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is one with God. And from God comes light. And through Jesus, that light is shown. Through his word, that light is shown. And we come to understand that the author of eternal life and the one who has eternal life is God himself in the form of Jesus. Right? Now, somebody might say, well, if there is a God, if there is a God, then what is he like? And what does he want? What is he like and what does he want? Anybody ever been asked that question, those three questions? What is God like? What does he really want? You know, what, 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 what's, the, what's the deal? Why do you always come to me with, with this Jesus stuff, this God stuff, telling me God wants me? What does that really mean? Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1, that there is a God, right? There is a God. It said that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God, if you read down to John, uh, verse 14, it said He became man, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt for a while among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So somebody might say, is there a God? Yes, there's a God. Yes, there is certainly a God. The Word was God. Jesus was God. Right? And then the next question is, what is God like? Well, we learn, we come to know God in the person of Jesus Christ. God lived among us and showed himself to be full of grace and truth. So when you wonder what God is like, he's full of grace and truth. And he showed us that through Jesus. And what Jesus was doing, you know, when we, you know, we have a song about the importance of doctrine and the importance of teaching sound doctrine. Well, that teaching of sound doctrine, you, the reason why it's so powerful and so important is because Jesus himself, or God himself rather, was explaining himself to man. So that's why we hold on to his teachings. Because through his teachings, I can come to know God. The Bible also says in John 1 verse 18, that no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So now, not only in his teaching, but the way he lived and the way he died, Jesus provides the best explanation for God. Huh? So now, now look at this. When it said he was in the bosom of the Father, maybe in the margin of your Bible, you come to explain bosom of the Father. That means he was in the intimate, he was in an intimate relationship with the Father. He was the closest one to God the Father. And because he was that close and that intimate, who better to explain him than the one who was closest to him, who was one with him. So when you study to know Jesus, when you study Jesus, and when you come to know Jesus, you come to know God. Right? And, and, and that's what your Bible says in John 118. And then it says, well, what does he want? All of this going to church, all of this worship, and all this preaching, all this studying. What does God really want with me? What does he want with my youth? What does he want with, you know, Dre, as you've been coming around, you going places, going places preserving it, doing all this. What is all this about? And they tell you because God wants you to do this, and God wants, but the what they're really saying is, you're going around, you're coming around, we're having Bible studies, in-home studies, and we're having devos because we want to explain to the world, explain to you that God wants you. He wants you. He wants every one of us. He wants you, Shia. He wants you, Tiber. He wants you. Uh, go to uh, John chapter 3, verse uh, 16. See, God's purpose for us becomes 
proclaim in the death of Jesus on the cross. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus fulfilled God's purpose in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. He fulfilled that purpose when he died. Our greatest need, the greatest need any of us have, we need relief. We need to be relieved of our sins. We need to have sins forgiven. There's no greater need than having sins forgiven because sin is the most fatal thing we'll ever face on the face of this earth. Why? Because sin kills the soul. How does it kill the soul? By separating it from the life source, which is God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. When you are separated from God, you're separated from the life source. Jesus said that I am the true vine. Can any branch survive uh, apart from the true vine? It's God saying, you cannot survive separate from me. See, when you hear Jesus saying that, Jesus is saying that to the whole world in relation to God. The world cannot survive severed from him. So he is the true vine. God is the source of life. And if we want true life, we have to be connected to God. And the only way to be connected to God is through Jesus Christ. If that makes sense to anybody. We needed a sacrifice. And Jesus was willing to be that sacrifice. And as we've illustrated it before, and you can think about it just like this, when man sinned in the garden, man was cut off. But he wanted to be connected, uh, God wanted him to be connected with him again. So God the Father came up with the plan. God the Son went down and executed the plan. And then God the Holy Spirit teaches the plan. Does that make sense to anybody? Amen. And I, I want you to understand it because something that I, I truly cannot understand. I truly cannot understand why we need, and this is just coming from the time. Why do, we, why do we need, why do people need so many, uh, uh, even those who claim to know Jesus, why do we need so many empowerment conferences? <laughs> Women's empowerment conference. Men's empowerment conference. Why do we need to be empowered so much? If you're a true child of God, you've already been empowered. You were empowered the day you obeyed the gospel. And he put his Holy Spirit in you. There's no greater power than that which comes from God. So now you're walking around with the Holy Spirit. What other power do you need? But yet we keep going to these conferences, paying for these books, paying, these, paying some of these preachers, paying these prophetesses, <laughs> paying all of them to empower us. But when you've obeyed the gospel, you've already been empowered. All you need to do is read God's word to understand that power. But the problem is we've been in this world and relying on this world for so long that we've forgotten the power. We don't know how to use the power. Jesus said anything you need, you ask in my name and the Father will do it. Huh? He said devote yourself, roll yourself upon God and whatever you need. Whatever he deems necessary, he will establish it. But because we've been in this world too long, this world has gotten us comfortable in demanding our own way. And our own will. We've fallen in love with our own will. 
And if it's not according to my will, then it just doesn't work. No, it's not working the way you think it all work. But it is working for your benefit. The Holy Spirit will always lead you into what's best for you. But it can't do it if you won't trust the one who sent it. You have to trust him. And trust that everything the Spirit is doing, he's doing for the benefit of your soul. Watch that now. The Holy Spirit does everything for the benefit first of your soul. Right? Because that's the most important part of you. That's the most important part of you. Carrera, did you know that? The most important part of you, any one of you, is your soul. The reason why is because when you die, your soul will live on. Now, where your soul spends eternity has to do with how you live today. And whether or not you give your soul over to the Lord to let... See, there's no man on the face of the earth that can empower you. And just like there's no man that can empower you, there's no man on the face of the earth who can take your power. When God has bestowed it to you, no one can take it from you unless you give it up. So I don't need to go pay anybody to, 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 to empower me with a bunch of platitudes and, and, and Holy Ghost praises. I don't need that. I need the word of God. I need to know Jesus. Because through Jesus, I can know God. And then know the power. So the plan was in the, was in the, was in the mind of the Father. It was executed by the Son. And it's taught by the Holy Spirit. Well, question, church. How can somebody walk in the benefit of a plan, which is salvation, how can someone understand the plan if they have not the teacher? If a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit, then how can they understand the plan? To them, it'll seem foolish. You know why? Because they're still dwelling in the flesh. Romans tells you that the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind that set on the spirit is life. So you need the Holy Spirit before you can even start to live. And you only find it in the watery grave of baptism. Huh? Think about that. You've got to find some way to meet the blood. And the only way to meet the blood that was shed in his death is in the water. Huh? So then, so then we say, so then, now the question is, since I'm talking about a soul, somebody might say, well, do I have a soul? Well, Bible tells us in Matthew 16, verse 26, it says, What shall it profit a man if he gave the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus assures us that each and every one of us has a soul. Huh? Do I have a soul? Well, Jesus, who is God himself, God said that you have a soul. Right? Well, then here's the other thing. Well, will I survive after this earthly death? Will I live after death? Well, in John chapter 11, verse 25, go over there for me, Tiger. In John chapter 11, verse 25. Now, when we look at Jesus and come to understand Jesus, we know that Jesus was the only one who ever survived death. They crucified him, but he got back up again. Right? But he was only the first one to do so. 
Because he would say that anyone who believes in him, they'll be able to do the same. When we say believe, that means trust in him. If you trust in the power of the Father and trust in what the Father did in him, then you too will beat death just the same way. In John chapter 11, verse 25, what's it say, uh, Time Mary? God won't do for them what they demand of him. 
Huh? And their so-called prayers, they're making demands of God. If you are God, if you are God, if you are God, then do these things. Huh? You might have caught yourself saying that sometimes. If there is a God, if he does exist, then you'll do this. Huh? There's the skeptic or the atheist who goes atop a building and says, God, if you are real, then catch me when I jump. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's going to die. <laughs> because Jesus told, Jesus told uh, 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 Satan something. He said, thou, he says, you don't test God. You don't test God like that. Because if you know anything, see, the world has, God has put natural laws in, 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 at work, right? It's called gravity. And he's taught you about gravity. Now, if you go up there and try to defy gravity, you'll learn the truth of gravity. You don't test God on anything like that. God says, you're going to test me. Test me on my word. See if I won't do exactly what I said that I would do. Now, if I said I'm going to resurrect you, then guess what? I'm going to do it. Thank you. And a lot of you have, have, have plenty of evidence that God does exactly what he says. Huh? It might not have been as packaged in just the way you thought it ought to be, but guess what? It was exactly what you needed. Amen. Huh? That's power when you can pray. That's power when you can pray and you can trust and you can wait and know that his answer will be perfect. That prayer can give you the power of peace over your anxieties. If you really trust them, then it'll do something for your worry. If you will worry more, if you're worried more, then you can say, because I got some folks who, when they worry, they say, oh, I'm gonna, I can't even sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. I was just all this in mind, right? Well, listen, did you pray? Now, when you pray, did you pray with full faith in mind? Or did you pray like the man in James chapter 1? The double-minded man who prayed with doubt in his heart. Because if you pray trusting the one who you pray to, when you come out that prayer, you're going to leave that thing with it. And move on to something else. Huh? Some of us still have too many, too many prayers or petitions that we've made to God, and we're still holding on to those petitions, and we're staying frozen, we're not growing, we're stuck. We have to let them go and let God do it. Huh? Does that make sense? Like we talked about that little girl who was sitting and playing with her toys. And she would play with her toys and play with her toys. And every now and then she would play with it and it would break. And she would go to her daddy and say, Daddy, fix the toy. And she would hand it to her daddy. She would say, Daddy, fix it. Daddy would fix it and then send her back on her way. But then she'd get to playing with it again and it would break. And then she would say, Daddy, fix it. She'd come and hand it. Hand it up like this, he would fix it. Then she would go and play. But then she would break it again. But on this third time, she started crying. Inconsolably. Why? Because she thought that her daddy had betrayed her. She said, Daddy, how come I bring this thing to you, and you say you fix it, but then I go back and it breaks again? And her daddy smiled at her with love in his, with love in his eyes. And he said to her, my child, I fixed every part that you weren't holding on to. Think about that. Meaning she never let it go when she gave it to her. 
she stood there and held on to it while he fixed it. Now he could fix every part except the part that's in her hand. She never once gave it to him, left it with him, and then came back to get it after he fixed it. Control issues. And we stay broke because we don't let go of those areas. And that area that you're holding is the area that's going to break again. Why even hand it to him if you're not going to give it all to him? When you come to God, he wants it all. You know why? Because he wants to fix it all. Right? So then, so then it says, so let, let me explain something to you about this paradise place. Now this paradise place, into which the dead go, and it's in Luke chapter 16, verse uh, 2, uh, I mean, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. See, Jesus explained, and he told the story of the rich man uh, in Lazarus. The rich man found himself in agony after he died. But Lazarus was being comforted, was being comforted. And as you heard me say a few moments ago, it, see, this world, this place, paradise, won't be paradise for everybody. But another thing about it is this. Paradise, this place, or the Hadean realm, as it's referred to, understand it's temporary. See? This is not purgatory, as the Catholics teach. This is a temporary place. It's a temporary, temporary place that lasts until Jesus comes again and he calls everybody from their graves. In John chapter 5, up to John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. See, Jesus says that there's an hour coming. So all of those who have died, those who have left this earth, they are waiting. They are waiting for that hour to come. Now what about that hour? John chapter 5, 28 through 29. Go ahead and read. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. See that? Right there. Right there. So everybody who has died, anybody who has died, everybody who has left this existence, they are waiting for that hour. Now, again, remember I so said your soul is most important. So depending on how you live, you'll be resurrected. You'll be raised up. You'll be raised up to your reward of evil or of a good life. Right? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, the Bible says, now when this resurrection happens, Jesus will send, see, the, 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 the good are coming with him. But those who have lived an evil existence, the Bible says that Jesus is going to send them into eternal fire. That's hell. And, and the thing is, hell, and understand this, hell was not, when you talk to your friends and they always say, well, hell is not real. Hell is absolutely real. You know why it's real? Because God created this place for those who rebel against him in heaven. He made hell for the devil and his angels. Did you not know that God did not design hell for man to be there? That is not what God wanted. In John chapter uh, 14, verse 1 through 3, go there for me, time here. So that there is a place of eternal punishment for, and it's only supposed to be for Satan and his angels. What did you, you have to understand about Satan? Satan. 
It is perhaps he is selfish and he's the greatest coward. Because he's not going to go by himself. He has sworn that he's not going to hell by himself. He's going to take as many as he can with him. And you know how he's going to get you to go to hell? By getting you to stray from God. By keeping you from obeying Jesus. Because if he can keep you from trusting Jesus, he can keep you from knowing God. Because only by knowing God can you avoid hell. So the Bible says in John 14, verse 1 through 3, what's it say? Pharisee and the tax collector. 
And, and it's something we should see. Go over there for me, uh, uh, Cheyenne, in Luke chapter 18, verse uh, 9 through 14. Questions have I said now? Some of us don't want to rep, some of us don't want to uh, uh, admit to our sin. You know that, right? Uh, it was hard for Adam to admit to his sin. You know why it was hard for Adam to admit to his sin? Because he forgot how merciful God is. You know why uh, Judas ended his own life? Because he forgot how merciful God is. Children, you know why sometimes you don't want to tell your parents when you're there wrong? Because you don't believe that they're going to be merciful. So then you keep it and you hide it. And sometimes it gets worse. And the longer you hide it, the longer you keep it. Actually, the worse the punishment is going to be once it comes out. Sometimes. Because there's more to clean up. Right? So, so what's the Bible say over there in Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 9 through 14? And it reads, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice in, in the week. Uh -huh. I give tithes of mm -hmm. all that I possess. Mm -hmm. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful. To me, sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalted that exalted himself shall be abased. Now hold on, go right back to verse nine. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Hold it right there. Those who trusted in themselves. Now, what does that mean? When you trust in yourself, then nobody else can tell you anything. See? Because notice, when they were both there, right? What does the Pharisee do? The Pharisee, he says, thank you for not making me like them. But you know the thing that he refused to do? He refused to examine himself. That wasn't the time. Think about it. Was that the time when we standing there talking about, well, I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that? Doesn't God already know that? God knows that you worship. He knows what you give. He knows what you hold back. He knows everything. You don't have to run down the list of the things you've done. That's awful prideful of you. He said, I've done this and I've done that. But never did he, in, in reading about the Pharisee, did he say anything about any of his followers. You know why? Because he trusted himself. So if he didn't see, he didn't say or accept. And guess what? To him, it didn't exist. But the thing about the, the tax collector was this. 
the tax collector didn't even start to showcase anything about him. All he did was say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm fallible. I know I've fallen short. I know how I can be. And I know, I know, I know, I know. So Lord, please, please, if you can find it somewhere up in Lord, find the mercy to forgive me. How many times do we approach God like that? Huh? How many times do we approach each other like that? And if this is the thing is, if you and I, the thing is, guess what? I can say things, but guess what? I know that I may have made a mistake, or I may have had a fall, or whatever it is. I know that. So because I know that, I don't have to, I don't have to, 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 to press, uh, press upon you that it's got. No, guess what? You know what? I might have offended you. I might have said something. I might have done something to you. I mean, if we're talking about something, I may have. So the point is, it's important for me, before I go doing this, I got to examine me. It doesn't mean that you could not have done something, but let me examine me. But see, when I trust in me, then I'm not examining me, I'm only pointing you. And that's a problem. Now, I don't think how many arguments we could stem, how many things we could stop, how much more we could learn if we just approach situations with that type of humility. Because Jesus said, which one do you think went home justified? It was the tax collector. Because he had no self-illusions. He understood what he was. And he knew how much he needed God. Now, now here's the thing. So once I realize, if I'm ready to recognize that I'm a sinner, and I'm in sin, then what's the punishment for sin? Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus warns us that fear him who is able to destroy both the body and soul in hell. Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, that we have already, uh, uh, that, that the eternal fire is prepared for the devil and his angels, right? So hell is the place for people, hell is the place for people who, who, who resist the call of God, who resist his will, that's where they're going. And then in John chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, the Bible says that I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now you can know that Jesus was punished and crucified as a criminal, although he had done no crime. You can know that. And, and, and he lived a perfectly righteous life. So God accepted his death as a sacrifice for you and I. So that we can have forgiveness for our sins. So now, what I want you to do, tie this to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 10 to 12. Remember when he said, there's no temptation that you befall, that has come to you, uh, uh, that is uncommon to man, but that in every situation, God has made an escape? Well, let me tell you what that escape is. That escape is in John chapter 10, where he says, the sheep know my witness. In every situation, every time sin is about to get the best of you, the voice of Jesus through the Spirit and the words you study will call you to come again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about your conscience, I'm talking about what you study and the Holy Spirit working in you. So you may want to tell that lie 
uh, career. You might want to say, tell that lie, you know, like we were talking that time, and you, you, you said, talk to me about how the eighth grader came and, no, no, the ninth grader came and spoke to you, but you didn't give me all of the, all of the details. Like, you came and spoke to me, but you didn't tell me you spoke to him first. You know, innocent smile. She was like, no, I was a kid. See? See? And what I'm just saying is, sometimes, and I'm not picking on the I'm not picking on the we, we had it out that day. Because I told him, he ain't got nothing to say to you. <laughs> Being that old, he ain't got nothing to ask you or know about. He can just keep on minding, did we have anything? He ain't got nothing to say to you. What were you talking No, no. You tell him to keep on pushing, kick rocks. <laughs> But the thing is, but the thing is here, but the thing is here, sometimes, see, we won't, we won't, we won't give uh, uh, the full picture. And we won't, we won't, we won't tell it all. Because guess what? You knew when this dude was this old coming to talk to you. Something in your mind might have been like, I shouldn't have this conversation. That's Jesus. Or, 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 or some when y'all at the gas station, you hear that man talk, hey, Miss Lady. This lady, hey, this lady. Some of y'all are like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> hey, this lady. Can I pump that gas for you? Good man. If it was up to me, you wouldn't have to pump gas. <laughs> if it was up to me, you wouldn't ever get out the car. I would never go in the house. Talking crazy. Who are you? Would ever? Matter of fact, you wouldn't. Matter of fact, yeah, you could be out there, but your foot would be. I'm going to carry you in and out the house. <laughs> you would never go. Girl. <laughs> and see, Jesus in the back saying, man. It's a lie. It's a lie. You hear the shepherd say, come, ma'am. Come, sheep. Get in your car. We have elsewhere to be. See, God is creating an escape for you. And sometimes we'll be like, curse Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong? Curse Jesus. I don't know what y'all mean. You say Jesus, but you just didn't say the hurt. The hurt was in your head. Jesus. He trying to say something to me. Jesus said he can't say anything better than you than what I've said. He, he, knows he can't do nothing better for you than what I've done. He might be, he can't be anything better than you than what I've been. He wanna take me places. Let me share with you something. Then you get the ones who just want you to be a trophy. Y'all want a trophy like this? Yeah. This is rude, like yeah, Huh? Well, they, all they want you to do is sit up in the house, drive in their car, and give them a bunch of problems. Huh? And just be there, you know, and you start running them out, they give you a credit card, go stop. Right? And you might say, you know, they want me, they want to do things for me. Jesus said, you can't give me what I've done. Because, yeah, you can buy all these material temporary things. But what do you do for the eternal things? Does he even care about the eternal things? That's what matters most. Why be his trophy? Huh? Why be his trophy when you can be my prize? My crown, Jew. 
That's the voice of the master. You know why? I can do it because in 1 Corinthians 11, he said that woman is the Lord of man. Why not be the Lord? Yeah. Huh? And then, and, then, and then we go on there, and it says uh, that, that, that so, so in every situation, God is calling. He's calling. So, so are you going to answer in situations, even when you want to go off, when you want to have an attitude, when you want to have a bad mood, when you don't want to be bothered, when you don't want to do this, when you don't want to do that, when you want to do, want to do things that are beneficial to you, when you don't want to do that kind of stuff, there's still a voice of Jesus who's calling you. And God said, remember, God said it himself when he said, all day long. Do I stretch out my hand to a stub and obstinate people? And he stretched out his hand in the form of Jesus Christ. His hand reaches through this book into his spirit to turn you from evil and wicked ways. Well then, okay, if there is a God and there is punishment for sin, then what must I do? You know what? There's six easy steps to God. Anybody you need to tell me six easy steps to God if you want to come to know God. If God is real and Jesus uh, 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 introduces me, if I come to know Jesus, Jesus introduces me to God, then in these steps, guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In John chapter 18, verse 37. So if you are of the truth, then guess what you always want to hear? The truth. You don't want to hear a lot. Jesus also said, believe in God, believe also in me. John 14, 1, if you claim to believe in God and trust God, then trust me. Right? Then, then he said, whoever confesses me, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Huh? He'll confess you. And then, and then, but he said, now I'll confess you, but now you have to repent. And unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 3. Then after you repent, meaning you're willing to change your direction, change your mindset. Once you're willing to do that, he said, I need you. You're going to have to be baptized. Because this is a life of obedience. And you began by obeying my command. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Because see, I shed my blood, and the only way you can get to my blood, a prayer won't get you to my blood. You got to be baptized, get immersed. How are you going to obey the gospel? See, how are you going to obey the gospel without being buried? You got to do what he did. You got to be buried. So if you're not buried, then how do you get resurrected? So you have to be buried in the water. Meet the blood. Be resurrected with his Holy Spirit and walk with him. You got to be baptized. And then be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. It's six easy steps to God. And you got to decide you want to stay with God. So there we, 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 we discussed that, that, if, 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 that, that Jesus is the answer to our biggest problem, the sin problem. And the, 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 the biggest curiosity, which is wanting to know God. And if you want to know God, then come on and get to know Jesus. Start right there. And I promise you, if you say faith, you'll learn more and more about God each day. And you'll learn more and more about yourself each day. And you'll come to understand what true freedom is each day.
You'll be set free from yourself, set free from sin, set free from your twisted emotions. And, 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 and I'm not saying those things will disappear. But the thing is, when you go, when you're, when you're connected with Jesus, you have the power to overcome. Until you come to Jesus, you have no power. And you're a slave. Romans chapter 6, you're a slave to the one who you present yourself to. And you presented yourself to see. You don't have to be a sinner, you know. Take up your life. And it's not just grown folk, this is children too. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. Jesus wants to know you. Remember when the children came to Jesus and the disciples stopped them? Uh, they stopped them and Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let them come. Because unless one become as one of thieves, they can in no one, very no one, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Become a child in your understanding and willingness to learn. Jesus is calling. Why won't you come to the Lord? It don't matter that you don't see water. We got water. We got plenty of water in the sanctuary. We got water. We got water. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Be glad that they see in the old days they used to have they used to have a back a baptismal pool underneath the uh, pulpit. You know, where you pull it up and then go down in there and be baptized. That's Sarah, that's how she obeyed the gospel. It used to be like that Miller used to have a, a, the old building used to have a certain special way. But the thing is, this the, the way to the water didn't matter long as I got to the water. Huh? Down in South Carolina, they baptized people in the creek, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. They head down to the creek, right? Yeah. As, 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 as uh, uh, Brother Scooby said, you know, you and your <laughs> Come on down to the water. Right? And you know what they would do? They would do? They didn't matter if it was alligators and snakes in there, they would send some lucky brother in there <laughs> to run them out. <laughs> but Earl, go on there and run those things up. They pull this stuff up and go right in there and run them out. And they come right in. And as everyone said about Brother Keegan one time, he was baptizing, and an alligator came and swam right past him in this water. Him and the woman he was baptizing. She said, Brother Keegan, aren't you there? She said, No, sister. He don't bother him. He won't bother you. See? God's business. Yeah, God's business. So, so come to the water, because you got the water is essential to meet the blood and become a true child of God, a member of his body, which is the church. Be added to Jesus and become a Christian only. A Christian only. Don't you want to come to Jesus? And, and Christians, Christians, if you've seen in your life through the word of God as he's been calling to you, that you can allow your stubbornness, your attitude, in all kind of ways, get in the way of what Jesus is trying to do. Because the only way, God wants to wash sin out of you. He wants to get the obstacles out of your way. He wants to make you better. And you can be better according to his plan if you just let him do it. But you got to say, Lord, I'm sorry for being so stubborn. I'm sorry for being so hard-headed. I'm sorry for trusting in me all the time. you got to be just like that task collector. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I need you to have mercy on my soul. But we don't have any own prayers, but then the church will pray with you too. If you want to become a Christian, or, or, or you wish to uh, uh, request the prayers of the church, you have that opportunity. Now, uh, as we stay the same.